Right. We are on episode... Elf. Elf. Really and the cool. final episode before the Christmas break. Zolf. What? I thought you were doing like one and two. No, we're on 11. Oh, okay. And this will be the final episode before the Christmas break. Right. So 11 weeks in a row. High five. And this is going to be a quick fire thing. So these aren't necessarily going to be I'm short. Very good at quick fire, so there's right? one, two, three, you... four, five, six. We might not get through them all. So are they quick questions? No, the questions might be long, but your answers can only be a minute, and I'm going to time you and then cut you off. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to get a film now. Just don't do it. Get a move on there. John Wick. Okay. I listened to a song off John Wick yesterday, actually. We were stuck in that traffic jam, and it's actually quite enjoyable. Was it as long and boring as the fight, well, it was fight long, scenes? It was long, but... Might have time to get thrown down the stairs. <laughs> oh, he's back up again. <laughs> he looks so broken as well. <laughs> he looks broken before he even moves. I know, that's what I mean. Anyway. Posted by Latter Mastodon... 15.53, two days ago. Mm-hmm. Night shift rules. This is a nurse. I'm an NHS newly qualified nurse and have been rostered in for my first night shifts. Oh. Two of the night shifts don't have a rest day. For example, night shift 17th of December, long day shift on 19th of December. Hey. Other shifts are a combination in quick succession, so afternoon, long day, night shift, sleep day, and long day again. Oh, no, I've got that. Other nurses are telling me that the rostering team are not supposed to be scheduling me like this. No. But there isn't a policy available to check. Opinions. One question. Do I kick up a stink? Yes. Two questions. Edit. The first night shift where there's no full rest day I'm doing because they want me to do my first with a substantive... RN rather than agency. Uh-huh. Understandable, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... That Although, yeah, there's a risk either way, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> there are no other night shifts that month with a substantive member of staff. That's not her problem. On before, problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, on before the second night shift, which is non-negotiable as it's part of the Christmas rotor that was decided by senior nurses and cannot be changed, so I have to have, to have no re- full rest day. But I think I'll chat to them about the missing rest day in January and express my concerns. Thanks. Okay, so your opinions on the rostering in terms of this situation and does she kick up a stink and is that right, legal, etc. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so part of my role when I before I left the NHS was the rostering of the ward I was on. Um, you would never roster somebody a night without a full rest day. Would or should? No, you you just can't because there's working time directive, which means there has to be a minimum of, well, it used to be eight hours time in between each break and then you'd have to have a full day off. So basically eight hours once a night shift finished to then a full day off. So technically you need like a day and a bit off. Um, also, the pattern is just unnecessary. Like If someone's going to be on nights, seconds. they should be on nights and then they should be on days. Unless someone's specifically requested in, for me to do a night, a day, a night, a day, the answer would be no. So kick up a stink. I would. You don't need to see policy. It's just general working time directive. Go on ACAS or somewhere, and there'll be something that advises you. Um, it's not your sense. problem that you'd be on Ten. with an agency staff member. So kick up a fuss and hope they swap it. Basically. Four, and the Christmas three, thing's a lie. Everything two, can be changed. One. In my opinion. I have to justify the pen and paper. Okay. Posted by Susan Denim. Denim like the gene. 99. Okay. Two days ago. 
consultant surgeon and professional disrespect to nursing colleagues. That's, yeah. the, that's the title. How long yeah. is this? It, it, could be, okay. it could be months long, I imagine. But... We are going to tackle it. So we've got a, a, a plan? Yeah. Okay. But I wanted to hear your stories about men or women. Let's not ju- be judgmental. It says all women in brackets. I'm not adding that in. Okay. Because it will mainly be men. Yeah. Like him and how you dealt with them successfully. Because you've got a minute to give your own experience. <laughs> Hi all. I work in specialist nursing where our team works really closely with the surgeons. Mm-hmm. The surgeons. Yeah. One of our consultants, uh, just the one, thankfully, these days, is consistently rude, critical, undermining and bombastic to our nurses and secretaries at all levels. Passive-aggressive emails, angrily complaining when they have to leave on time, childcare, although why shouldn't people leave on time when they can, etc., etc. He's notorious for this in the department. Notorious. But to date, his seniors have only ever said, that's just him. (laughs) Ironically, it's only our enormous professional respect for him, so he's obviously good at his job. Yes, they normally are. That stops us telling him to feck off. No, stop telling him there and then what a dick he's been. (laughs) (laughs) but sadly this only seems to have enabled him to go on we can't keep staff because of it so i cannot carry on tell me your success stories about enforcing professional respect please dear colleagues or just anything i can't answer that question in 60 seconds that's not even remotely possible just 60 seconds to briefly outline a, a, a knob of a surgeon you've come across. One, two... There's so many! Three... Do you need a time to think of one? No, it's fine. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so my first answer is it, is it is necessary to tell this person they're being a dick and sticky notes are usually a very effective way of doing so. So um, outline all the ways this person's an arsehole and just stick them on his file, the ward hand, whatever it might be. So this, this is a time. professional route yeah. to go down. Well, it, it, it breaks the professional barrier because he's not been professional either because if he was, he'd be being courteous. So it points out the fact that start with we think you're epic. You're obviously very good at what you're doing. However, these seconds. things are spoiling this situation and you've just got to stop being an arsehole, full stop. Um, my only experience is one similar. I mean, it wasn't a seconds. sticky note thing, but we just, well, I just told this guy that um, he's impossible to work with just because he's brilliant doesn't mean he's, you know, allowed to be an arsehole. Where he replied saying that he thought that was exactly why he could be an arsehole. Um, and then things went on Three, which I haven't got two, time to one. discuss but the point is there was an initial success but we got there in the end did he change his behaviour? yeah Buffy Bell three days ago starting at A&E advice oh fun I start in A&E in January and I'm absolutely petrified oh you'll love it I'm nearly five years pregnant now five years qualified but I've spent the last three years in a non-clinical community role, plus on maternity leave. Oh, ah. pregnant was right then. Okay. Does anyone have any advice on how to make the transition easier? Prior to my community role, I worked in the same hospital on the admissions ward, so hopefully that'll help a bit. So it's a familiar environment. Well, I see if she's gone for the role in A&E. Basically, so... long break, back into A&E, and then, but previously it was admissions. Okay. And... Oh, I'm ready to answer that. Yeah? Yeah. Three, two, one. 
my advice would be take some bank shifts, even if you go in as a support worker and literally just be on Before that January. A, yeah, be on that A&E department. Even if it's one shift, maybe two, and just get a feel of where the land lies, what's coming in, how people are responding, and just feel it out before you're the person that's there actually providing care, triaging, or whatever your role is on that. Plus, I assume this person, as I said, has gone for this role, so there must be some desire and passion for A&E. Um, it's diverse, it's brilliant, your shifts will go fast, but um, definitely go in and have a look around first, take on a bank shift, 100%. Or just ring and ask if you can go in and observe for a day, do something. Good. Mm-hmm. 40 seconds. That's when you can control. Get in faster, boys. Charming Tomatillo, Tomatillo, 13. Okay. One day ago. Louis body hallucinating. Mm-hmm. My father-in-law was diagnosed with Louis body and vascular dementia last year. Just brief. What is Louis body dementia? What's vascular dementia? Um, so vascular dementia is dementia normally brought on by um, issues in the brain due to circulation. Um, the vascular system, so cardiac usually... Um, secondary to some sort of heart issues or health complications. And Lewy bodies is usually associated with Parkinson's. So when somebody's got Parkinson's, Lewy body dementia can present as a secondary to that. Okay. At that time, he said he saw writing on the walls and a cat in his house. This year, he's seeing a funeral procession go through the house and butterflies all over his room. Do the hallucinations get larger as the dementia progresses? Um, hallucinations aren't a standard part of dementia, point one. Um, point two, Lewy bodies works in the way, so vascular dementia works because obviously there's another narrowing of the vessels, so the circulation's not as good. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. And then you get a full 60 seconds so, from now. And, and Lewy bodies, it works by like little white plaques sort of break off and, and stick. So maybe like hallucinations is a general thing with Lewy bodies. But in my own experience, that hasn't been a thing. Hallucinations are normally present when there's some other issue going on. It's only organic, so it'd be infection or um, something like that. That That's kind of thrown me because hallucinations, if that's the terms right, aren't necessarily a dimension. Well, whether the like term's right, he's seeing a cat perception. writing on the walls, a funeral procession, butterflies. Which would. That would sound like a It sounds like a hallucination to me, unless Whereas, his house is full of butterflies, cats. Well, the other side of it is, unless he's telling you he's seen them, like, as a story, because often in dementia, like, the time can skip. You, you can't time me on this one. This is too detailed. Um, obviously, you can go back and forwards in time, so maybe the funeral procession is something that he's experienced before, which he's telling you about. Maybe he's like, time. Oh, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Look, Dave, at that cat site over there, and there's no cat. Or who's written on that wall there? Someone get those words off. That's different. Because that whole thing is, this is a, a pub or we're at school. Yeah, we're not yeah, in... yeah, definitely. And the funeral procession could be, that could be a, a, a lodged memory which he just receives. But there's a difference between identifying between a variation of reality and a hallucination. They are two different things. Mm. So it's... But in terms of vascular, in terms of lack of blood flow, which would mean oxygen to the brain, yes. wouldn't then potentially lead yeah. to... Yeah, because sadly, with vascular dementia, the decline is usually much quicker because, um, when I say it's controlled by like a clinical system, you know what I mean, that progression. 
just happens quicker and if it gets to that point then yeah. and it's normally men not women vascular dementia for me over the last five or six years i can't think of anybody who was hallucinating who had any form of dementia no but we had a really lovely gentleman who had vascular dementia who was diagnosed on like a monday and was very very unwell like three months on from the monday so um it might be it and it it can obviously affect the blood flow mm. so there could be some of that with that but if hallucinations are present, my point is that needs addressing separately because if the dementia is so, therefore the vascular situation is so, that there's hallucinations that needs looking at separately because nobody should be hypoxic. Two more. Ooh. Frosty slide, four, seven, three, five. Which man owning a frosty slide? In their appropriate clothing, that'd be quite good fun. Are neck tattoos allowed in the NHS? I'm currently a student doing sports injury and rehabilitation. I am looking at working with the NHS and I'm looking at getting a neck tattoo for, of my sister's birthday and I'm hoping oh. it's not going to impact any jobs prospects at hospitals. Okay. Have you come across workers with neck tattoos? Are you going to time me? Oh, shit, yes. Three. I've ticked it as well. <laughs> for me, I read it successfully. Two, one. Okay, so um, the NHS can't discriminate against somebody's presentation to offer them a role or not so the idea is can or can't they I mean they can't so you could get the neck tattoo if you like that said and it sounds like a sentimental reason to have the tattoo but um it could prevent other opportunities in the future so we all start out at the NHS or most of us do but then you go into different things and there's private agencies that that would prevent you from performing in places if you had tattoos across your neck and they didn't feel that was appropriate for the, the subgroup or whatever. Um, plus, you know, in the future you want to do your own business or something, it would be something to consider because that's something you can't hide. So my advice would always be to everybody, be yourself, be individual, but um, you need to consider yourself professionally as well. So I would always advise against the neck tattoo. I mean, if it's like a little teeny thing, fine. If you're talking like what I call the collars, the, the pullovers. The 11th of December, don't you? Yeah, then that um, it's different people's perception, which is the problem. You're five seconds over. That's my answer to that question. So it's five seconds over. There's another one. Last one. Okay. My real username, uh -huh. 8675. Socks that are easy to put on for an older person. Mm -hmm. This is going to make some brands, I think, which we don't need. But anyway, I'm, I hope I'm not the only one with this problem, but my mum has trouble putting her socks on. She's lost some flexibility as she's gotten older. Although we know someone's mother who was like 19 is able to stand on one leg and put her socks on, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. And she's had a chronically injured dominant arm that makes using the sock putting on aids difficult. So I'm looking for socks that go on easily. If anyone has been through a similar situation or has any specialised sock knowledge when you come in I would be most grateful I'm looking for something a little more fashionable than an athletic sock preferably like probably like a crew okay yeah, I the don't rest know what a crew fine. sock is no okay come on bring your sock knowledge to the table okay. one two three go. okay my knowledge is specifically less about socks and more about like, accessibility so if the you can get sock apparatus which helps you put it on if that's what she's struggling to do um, then the best thing to do would be to obviously wear something like a slipper sock, which is intentionally bigger than it needs to be, 
Or what's super easy and light to put on are stockings. You can get stocking socks, as in like tights, but a sock. So there would be a covering on her foot so she could wear like formal shoes with that. Yeah, because um, a slipper sock would probably stop a shoe coming off. Yeah, but what lots of people do as they age, because not just mobility issues present the sock going on, also skin swells and things become more uncomfortable. So it's not the best thing for warmth, but for cover on a foot, people often wear literally a stocking sock. Mm-hmm. So like tights, but just for a foot. Um, otherwise, you have got, I mean, they're higher up on the market, but things like bamboo-based fabrics are really, they, they sort of stick once they're on, but they're very flexible to get on. They're not quite as rigid. So um, I'd look for some bamboo-based socks. Damn! Would be my advice, but I'm no sock specialist. I don't always do that. But is it, is it, ones that pop, it is one that pops up a lot, though, isn't it? Yeah. Of going in, help people with stockings, help people with socks, help people Yeah, with, it's a hard area to get to, isn't it? So, yeah. There you go. Am I done? You're done. You're free to go. Okay. You're cooked. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Oh, you've gone. Yeah, alright. Literally needs to Adios. Learn.